Hello and welcome to another episode in the summer edition of Ithaca Now and our ongoing series Asian in Ithaca, stories of race, culture and identity. I'm your host and WICB News Director Himadri Saint. In tonight's episode, series producer Vedanta Khari talks to Mahmood Burton, president of the Al-Hada Islamic Center, which is also the first mosque in Tompkins County, about the Muslim community in the Ithaca area. In summer 2020, we interviewed the Ithaca community about Black Lives Matter, as people across the globe called for solidarity and demanded police accountability, a movement that continues to this day. These interviews were a part of ICTV's summer interview series, which can be found on ICTV News' Facebook page. This summer, we decided to talk to members of the AAPI community, who have been subjected to heightened discrimination and hate crimes during the COVID-19 pandemic. While the COVID-19 pandemic led to a surge in hate crimes against the Asian community, this culture of scapegoating, oppression, and marginalization of the Asian community has been decades and generations in the making. Through this series, we hope to explore the many diverse voices of this community within the Ithaca area. For WICB News, I'm Vedanta Kari. In today's episode, we're going to explore the Muslim community in Ithaca through the eyes of Mahmoud Burn, president of the Al-Huda Islamic Center. He has lived in the U.S. since 1984 and became involved with the Muslim community during the early 2000s, a time when the first movements began for a permanent place of worship for the Muslim community. That came true with the Al-Huda Islamic Center becoming the first mosque in Tompkins County culminating the multi-decade history of the Muslim community in the Ithaca area. When it first began to be formally organized, um, goes back probably to the 1960s and 70s. And uh, we still have, I think, maybe one member in the community, one of the elders in our community who, you know, has been here since uh, that time. And that was when the first services uh, started to organized. The highest density of population of Muslims would be, you know, on the Cornell campus. And people come from all over the world uh, here. And so, again, things sometime was in the um, late 60s. Um, the first Juma services started being organized on the campus. And that's the Friday prayer, which would be the uh, sort of analogous to a Sunday church service uh, for Christians or for the Shabbat service for, uh, for the Jews. And for many, many years, uh, the community has been meeting in the One World Room in Annabelle Taylor Hall, um, similar to other religious uh, congregations on the Cornell campus. During the course of that time, around 2001, there were a few community members who took it upon themselves to start organizing for the eventual um, acquisition of a property or building uh, a mosque. And a charitable trust was begun at that point in time. Uh, and it was called the Al-Huda Islamic Center of the Finger Lakes Charitable Trust. Despite this, the Muslim community has struggled to be seen in Ithaca. There has been no um, permanent place of identity for Muslims. So um, if you didn't know that there were Muslims in Ithaca, you know, you could, you know, you could uh, live for many years without that awareness, unless you happen to um, perhaps see one of the women in our community with a hijab and, you know, on the street or in the shopping center, you might think, yeah, possibly there are Muslims here. 
But unless you happen to be, um, you know, standing around Annabelle Taylor Hall at uh, one o'clock on a Friday afternoon, um, you know, and see that, you know, we would typically have over 200 people, you know, come for our Friday services, um, you might not know that there are Muslims in Ithaca. Another reason why Muslims in Ithaca had trouble building a local identity was a lack of a permanent location for gatherings. In 2014, the community used the money from the Al-Huda Islamic Center of the Finger Lakes Charitable Trust to purchase land in Lansing to construct a new building for gatherings. But the construction process faced many difficulties. Ultimately, the original idea had to be abandoned well, in the summer, in the spring, actually, of 2020, uh, members of our community had been speaking with commercial realtors and were brought um, to awareness a piece of property in the town of Lansing. Um, and uh, we um, consulted with community members and basically put forward the idea of either continuing with another new construction project on the piece of land that we had bought or getting an existing building and a new property. And about 70% of the community members uh, were inclined toward an existing building on a property. And uh, so we pursued that option and uh, with God's help were uh, given success. And we closed on that property uh, at the very end of uh, 2020. With the property closing out of the way, Byrne explains the community response and the significance of having a permanent area for Muslims to gather. We basically, you know, have at this point a time that Muslims, you know, or a place rather, that Muslims are able to look to and say, this is our place. And, you know, um, you know we'll go and we'll, you know, we'll meet there to, uh, you know, to have, um, you know, a picnic with our families and, uh, our children, uh, you know, will play, uh, and uh, it, it's uh, it's a very significant thing. And of course, um, we had a lot of support from the friends that we had developed in uh, our neighboring religious communities when we were fundraising for the final push to be able to uh, get the money that we needed to close on the property. We had a very limited amount of time, basically, when we made the decision in October. Um, we had only until the end of the year to raise the remaining money that uh, that was outstanding for us between what we had saved and uh, you know the purchase agreement price. We got a lot of support, uh, and when we had our first uh, virtual meeting, of course everything is still locked down into the pandemic, uh, but we did a little Zoom walkthrough of the building and. Uh, there were close to 50 people on the Zoom call from the different congregations that we get together with regularly, uh, just expressing their um, their happiness, you know, for the Muslim community to have uh, finally found a place. So, um, you know, this has been a big process um, in terms of the members of our community, but also in terms of, um, you know, the neighbors, uh, you know, that we've gotten to know. Uh, one of the big initiatives that uh, we, uh, did in partnership with the uh, Reform Jewish Congregation to Convoor and from the uh, friends at uh, Lansing United, United Methodist Church, and also with um, our contact at uh, the uh, the community of Lansing, um, we have been hosting interfaith dinners. Now we're in our fourth year of doing this on a monthly basis. Burden talked about the Islamic Center's many interfaith partners and events. The main 
partners uh, to ourselves in this um, movement are the Congregation to Kunva Or, which is a Reformed Jewish community. Uh, they're in the uh, village of Lansing, I believe. And uh, we have the um, Lansing United Methodist Church is also another main uh, organizer of these meetings. Uh, they're not too far around the corner from, uh, from us. Uh, so obviously the Methodists, uh, but we've also done um, events with the Catholic churches. Uh, so, you know, there's um, All Saints, which is uh, in Lansing, and we've done uh, events with uh, the community at St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, so you know, the Catholics, um, we have uh, done um, a series of films uh, with discussions uh, with the Lutheran community. Um, and uh, again, there are many Christian and Jewish communities. We've, uh, we've got together uh, one of the times that I think members of our community remember very fondly was when the the rabbi who came just before um, Rabbi Safman, who is the current rabbi in Ethica, um, her predecessor, uh, we organized a meeting um, in an afternoon that overlapped the, the prayer times of, you know, the conservative Jewish community and our community. So we went, we got together, we visited, we watched their prayer, they watched our prayer, and we had questions. And so, you know, these are some of the things that, you know, we've done. The Al-Huda Islamic Center has also hosted an event called the Taste of Muslim Culture. This event shares the foods, colors, clothes, and sounds from 13 to 14 countries with predominantly Islamic populations. The event was hosted at Beverly J. Martin School in downtown Ithaca for five years before being interrupted by the pandemic. The event proved to be popular, attracting between 300 to 500 guests. It was a really fantastic way for people to understand something about the tremendous diversity of Islamic culture as it expresses itself around the world. And, you know, for also to people to know that the people from those countries and cultures, you know, are living here, you know, even, you know, either temporary or, you know, some of them on a longer term basis. And uh, uh, so, you know, that was something that, you know, we're really looking forward to um, starting up again when uh, conditions uh, allow us to do that. And so are there any other services or community assistance projects that you want to mention that the Al-Huda Islamic Center does? What we are trying to do is establish ourselves to be able to provide a full range of services for, for Muslims. I mean, it's our first um, area to address to make sure that, you know, we can fulfill all of, you know, our religious obligations in a sound manner. You know, we would like to develop this property and it is in the stage of development. You know, there's work that we have to do still on the building uh, and, you know, certain improvements that we would like to make to be able to um, uh, help us to fulfill this. But we would like for people to be able to come for the five daily prayers that we have. Um, and we would like for, you know, already we've had um, uh, people who have been curious about Islam or who have studied about it or have learned about it and have come and wanted to become Muslims. And so, you know, we also provide, you know, that service, you know, if, if somebody does want to um, um, 
you know, the first pillar of Islam, of course, is uh, what we call the Shahada, you know, the testimony of faith. And when people want to become Muslims, they make that testimony of faith. And, you know, we help them with that and follow up uh, to, uh, you know, give them the knowledge that they need and the support that they need uh, in their spiritual journey. We um, have services uh, during the special times of the year, uh, for instance, during the month of Ramadan. During the pandemic, of course, that wasn't possible, but um, we hope, you know, perhaps if things are, you know, better by next year during Ramadan to be able to have dinners every evening to help people break their fast and a special series of night prayers that's held during that whole month. One of the next big steps in our community, um, you know, when we get things developed a little bit further would be to be able to hire um, an imam who is, um, you know, the equivalent of, uh, you know, priest or pastor or rabbi in the Jewish uh, community, same sort of function of the spiritual leader. So um, at this point in time, you know, the people in our community who have um, the knowledge are volunteering to serve in that capacity and, you know, to take turns leading the weekly Friday prayers. But we would like to be able to hire an imam permanently. And uh, so that's another function that uh, we hope to do. Um, we have um, also on the sort of other end of the spectrum, you know, we have... Um, you know, funerals and, uh, you know, when people, when Muslims die, um, you know, we have to be able to make arrangements uh, to be able to handle, you know, the service and the burial in a way that is in keeping with our religious um, principles and practices. And so, um, you know, we've been developing connections with some of the local funeral homes and, um, we have, um, we're exploring an agreement with uh, Green Springs Natural, uh, Natural Cemetery in Newfield to uh, purchase a plot of land that will be uh, dedicated for the Muslim community, similar to a section that, that they've sold for the Jewish community. Uh, so um, that's another service that, uh, you know, we are in the process of developing. Um, in terms of serving our community, you know, we, you know, now are permanent members of the community in the town of Lansing. And one of the first things that we did uh, in conjunction, again, with some of our interfaith partners is uh, we started uh, supporting um, the blue food cabinets in Lansing. And there's two or three of those cabinets that uh, we have uh, um food donations that we take in uh, every week uh, and uh, those are going to be distributed. Um, we've been doing that for a few months now uh, to uh, to help keep those uh, food cabinets stocked in the area so um, people who find themselves in need um, can have that need, uh, that need uh, eased you know somewhat. Of course uh, you know we continue to uh, you know, to meet and uh, develop the, uh, uh, you know, the interfaith dinners that we're having with uh, our interfaith partners. And of course, that expands to other communities in the Ithaca area. Um, you know, anyone is welcome to be a, a host for that for a month. You know, we really welcome everybody and uh, feel that uh, in general, um, you know, the the best way to avoid the 
situations of difficulty that tend to arise uh, is for people to know each other and uh, to uh, become familiar and uh, and friendly with one another. So these uh, these opportunities, uh, I think, are very, very important. Islamophobia is unfortunately prevalent throughout our history, having soared in the 21st century, especially after 9-11. During the 2016 presidential race, then-candidate Donald Trump called Muslims quote-unquote sick people and called for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. He also alleged that Syrian refugees are trying to recruit children to join ISIS. During the Trump presidency, his administration also pushed for three versions of what became dubbed the Muslim ban, and President Trump himself retweeted anti-Muslim videos from a British far-right group. Islamophobia extends beyond the United States because according to a 2019 poll, 46% of Canadians have seen Islamophobic posts online, and for Quebecers, that was 62%. More recently, far-right groups used the pandemic to promote disinformation against the Muslim community, according to criminology professor Imran Awan. Examples of disinformation include Muslims being super-spreaders with a user alleging that Muslims are praying in a mosque in Shrewsbury. Even though Shrewsbury didn't have a mosque, and mosques similar to synagogues and churches were closed due to the pandemic. Other examples of disinformation include Ramadan increasing COVID-19 infections, and a tweet showing a picture of Muslims praying in the streets of London, allegedly breaking social distancing guidelines. However, this story was quickly debunked as that photo of Muslims praying in the streets of London was taken several weeks before the COVID-19 lockdown. So what can we do to protect the Muslim community from Islamophobia? Here's what Mahmoud Burton had to say. This continues to be something that is an issue, you know, and, and hatred of any kind really is, uh, you know, typically comes from similar roots. And, you know, we see that, you know, there've also been, you know, violent expressions against the Asian community. And, uh, you know, so whoever happens to be the flavor of the day, you know, understands this in a more direct way. You know, Islamophobia is still um, a significant issue in this country. And, you know, I can give you examples, you know, every day of, you know, things that come across our radar that, uh, you know, are happening in this country that, um, you know, I think most people would be very concerned and upset were they to be aware of it. Mr. Byrne explains how the Ithaca area has remained a friendly environment for the Muslim population. For Muslims uh, locally, um, you know, we are fortunate in many ways in Ithaca that we have a population of people who are generally open-minded and uh, reasonably well-traveled, intelligent, and, uh, you know, we have, uh, I think it's much easier for Muslims to be accepted here than it is in areas outside of um, this, um, you know, th this Ithaca region. But, you know, even in the area where uh, where our, our mosque is our new building, uh, you know, it's a little more conservative there. Uh, show that. So really the thing that, you know, we feel is important is, you know, for us to, um, you know, to be together and for us to be, um, you know, getting to know uh, people and our neighbors. The resources that we have, you know, are not 
going to be able necessarily to prevent you know every terrible thing from happening we're hoping in the long run that you know we can avoid many of them by the things that we are doing and certainly encourage anyone who has difficulties you know to reach out to us and you know get you know the support that you know we can we can offer and uh you know work together to you know figure out what would be a good way to um, help remediate what uh, what may have occurred. I asked Mr. Byrne if he can summarize his hopes to grow the Muslim presence in the Ithaca community. I'll tell you something that um, I was told by Imam Anas, who is uh, the imam at uh, one of the mosques in Binghamton. And uh, we went there for some assistance uh, during our fundraising. And they were very helpful to us. And uh, and what the imam told me, he said, you know, when we started the center there, and that's been established for you know a good many years now, he said there were a handful of of, um, of people living in the area. He said, and now you know within like a mile and a half radius, he said there's over 200 families that have moved there. And so um, even you know just like weeks after purchasing the place, you know, there were phone calls that we received. And we get these calls every year from, you know, say, for instance, people who were interviewing for a job at one of the bigger companies or at the, you know, at the hospital. And we'll get a, a call from the personnel department saying, could you talk with this person? They want to know about the Muslim community here. And what they're doing, they want to find out, you know, how, you know, what we have here in the way of resources of them. And, you know, pr- primarily, you know, is there a mosque here? And, you know, if there's not, then that might be the key thing for many Muslims. It's going to say to them, well, you know, I'd like to study at Cornell, but I'm going to choose somewhere else. Or I'd like to work here, but, you know, if there's no mosque, I'm going to take that other job that's in a place where there's, you know, a better developed community. So even in the first um, few weeks and months since purchasing the property, there have been people who have, you know, been able to say yes now, when asking that question, we've been able to say yes to them, and they've made the decision to come here. There have been new people arriving, and we expect that that is going to continue to happen. Um, and um, from what we understand, uh, there is um, a proposed housing development that's going to be constructed. Muslims have a really important place in this community, and um, and we uh, are looking forward as we become better established and uh, our organization develops uh, to being more and more effective uh, community members, uh, you know, that will help improve the quality of life here for, for, for all of us. And, uh, you know, that the, the things that uh, we pursue that are of benefit, we hope will be open to, to, to all people in Tompkins County. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now and Asian in Ithaca. You can find all of the episodes for Asian in Ithaca, stories of race, culture, and identity, and other stories on WICB.org. The full list of resources for AAPI action and education will also be available on our website. That's WICB.org. We're open to feedback and ideas. Feel free to reach out to us at news at WICB.org. All of the music from Ithaca Now's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear full shows anywhere, anytime. 
Also subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The series is made possible by producers Ledan Takari, Jordan Broking, Emily Hung, and myself, and editor Jay Bradley. Special thanks to Manager of Television and Radio Operations Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager Connor Hibbert, and Programming Director Lou Barron for their support and assistance. I'm Imadri Seth, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. Wishing you all a great week ahead.